Well, hello, everyone, and a special welcome. My name's Scott, one of the pastors here, as Mark mentioned, and uh, get a chance to, to preach today. So I want to welcome you all here in this room, those in Saratoga and Mountain View and San Mateo who are uh, watching at their campuses, and also uh, those of you joining us online. We're so glad you're with us. And I also want to extend a special welcome to those who may be a part of uh, the series that we just finished, um, Exploring God and... Um, we hope that this continues to be a place where you can get clarity about your faith and explore your questions and, uh, and find community. And we just want this to be your home, your place. And we do hope that someday uh, you make that, uh, make that time and, and uh, commit your life uh, to the Lord. And we ex are excited for that, but be who you are and you're welcome here. Um, today we're shifting gears a little bit and starting a new series called In Your Lifetime. Now, you may have heard this already, I'm not sure, because I don't think we've talked about it at all, but uh, Menlo Church is 150 years old. Has anybody heard that? Now, that's a long time to be a church, so we're thinking a lot about legacy right now. You know, what's the fruit of 150 years of ministry? Now, if you're listening to this sermon right now, guess what? You're part of that legacy. You're part of the legacy of Menlo Church. Those that have gone before us, those that have prayed faithfully over the years, consistently served and loved others, those that have followed God's call obediently and gave sacrificially so that we would be here today listening to this message. You're literally experiencing the legacy of others at this very moment. And I know this personally and I've mentioned this before, if you've heard me preach before, but my call to ministry was nurtured right here through the pastors, elders, and members of this congregation. Menlo Church affirmed my call, helped me cover the costs of my education, supported me with prayers and encouragement. I was ordained into the ministry in this sanctuary on these steps 26 years ago, and there are many, many, many others who can share the same story. Now, I know we all receive uh, different kinds of legacies, and um, some of those are really, really great, and sometimes they're not great. Uh, it's kind of a mixed bag, um, and some of us, maybe the bag is pretty big, uh, but think about maybe, for instance, the legacy you received from your parents, just as an example. Um, I think about my dad sometimes and how he was fearless when talking to other people. He made friends easily and generally got along with just about everybody. I loved his boldness and his warmth, but uh, sometimes it could also be kind of awkward. There were moments uh, where they were really cringy, and he would say something off color or maybe quasi-offensive, and then you just wanted to crawl into a hole. Anybody relate to that? Anybody have you know anybody like that in your life? Well, we don't get to really pick and choose what gets handed down to us. My kids say I only inherited the awkward part, but uh, I'll let you be the judge of that. The truth is, we all experience legacies of some kind. We're all, we're all recipients of a legacy, and we will all leave a legacy. Now, for those of you that are younger, this may seem like a far-off reality. I'm not thinking about legacy right now, but it's never too early to start thinking about what you're leaving behind. Because the truth is, we only have so many days on this earth to follow our calling and live into our purpose. 
The Psalms remind us of this reality. Psalm 144 says, Lord, what are human beings that you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them. They're like a breath. Their days are like a fleeting shadow. It all goes so fast, and each and every day is a gift. Psalm 90 says this, we're, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The days are precious, and every day we're leaving a little bit of a legacy, and we have the opportunity to make it something significant, to be a part of God's good work in the world. And like I said, we don't get much say in where we're born or how we're raised. All of us receive the fruit of other people's legacies, and we all leave a legacy. And somewhere behind, between the receiving and the leaving, there's space for God to do something really miraculous, if we're open to it. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, may the, the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable to you this hour and this day. And would you teach us what we need to hear? through your word. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text for this series is Paul's second letter to Timothy, which is a very tender letter that Paul's writing from prison. Now, things are not going well for Paul, and this may very well be the end for him. And so he's thinking a lot about legacy. So he writes to Timothy, reflecting on all of their relationship and time together, and he's giving a bit of a pep talk here. Come on, Timothy, because he wants to make sure that the gospel that he has sacrificed so much for and so deeply for, that that gospel will continue on, that his legacy will continue. And so we're going to look at the first seven verses today, uh, starting first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, hear that tenderness, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now also lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Now, one thing just to notice right off the bat here is that Paul is reminding Timothy that he's the recipient of a powerful legacy of faith. His grandmother Lois and his mom Eunice were faithful followers of Jesus. And let's just pause here for a minute and shout it out for moms and grandmoms. <laughs> wow, yes. And how the Bible lifts up women of faith all over the pages. And how important they are to extending the legacy of faith in the church. 
But Timothy has seen generations in his family tell the story, share the prayers, live out their faith courageously. And it wasn't just a few sermons or a devotion once in a, once in a while. Timothy saw faith lived out in real time and in real ways, and that set for him a powerful example. He saw it modeled. Paul wants to make sure Timothy doesn't forget the legacy that he's part of, that he's received, that is part of him. And Paul also wants, to be, wants, wants Timothy to know that he has also received a legacy. He says when he's offering his gratitude for Timothy that he adds the line that I received it as my ancestors did to underline that he understands he's part of this great legacy as well that he wants to pass on. My, uh, my mom's been doing a little remodeling in her home and uh, she had this antique hutch that she no longer had space for and she asked if my sisters or I would like it. Now, supposedly this hutch came over with my great-grandmother from the Netherlands, and while I'm not sure of the authenticity of the claim, or even if it can fit in our home, my first instinct was, yes, I want this. This is something precious that I can pass on to my kids that tells part of the story of our family history. I mean, think of the places that hutch has been and if it could talk, the stories it could tell. It's in pictures from my childhood, and it could be in my grandchildren's photos someday, if I can convince my wife to put it in our home, <laughs> which is another story. Faith can be like this precious heirloom that gets passed down from one generation to the next. Think about your own life. What precious things have you received from your family? your relatives, your community, your church, your culture? Who taught you about Jesus? Who made you feel loved and accepted? Who showed you how to pray, how to love others, how to sacrifice and serve? Who helped you when you didn't deserve it? Who shaped your view of grace? Let's just take a minute in the quiet of this room. I just want you to bring to mind who's somebody that shared those things with you. And just in the quiet of your hearts, give thanks for them right now. These are precious gifts, friends. Heirlooms that need to be passed on. You received a legacy that shaped you. And nothing's more important than that legacy of faith. None of us start from zero. And the next question that, is, that comes after we think about this is, where and what do I do with that legacy that I've received? Now, in the text, Paul challenges Timothy to take that legacy that he's received and fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame the gift of God. God is the giver of all good gifts, including the wonderful legacy of faith that Timothy has inherited Timothy's been given a gift, a gift that came to him through others, and he's to take that good gift and multiply it, to fan it into flame, because this gift of God is not just for Timothy, but for everyone. So now he's got a choice. How will he steward this gift? And what do we mean when we say steward something? It's a, it's a word we use a lot in the church 
The dictionary says, stewarding is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. And God cares a lot about how you take what you've been entrusted with and use it for his kingdom. We need to be thoughtful and diligent if we want to pass on a legacy. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever started a fire before. It's kind of a weird question. Maybe camping or in a fireplace. Maybe you were a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout. And I know in California, we try not to start fires. It's a bad thing. But if you have, um, you know that if you, if you build a fire correctly and have the right fuel, it just takes a, a small spark and it will, it will light up. The fire will start. But a fire will quickly die out if you don't tend to it. And here's a trick that you may know. Once a fire started, if you gently blow a little bit on the fire, what happens? You give it a little bit of extra oxygen and it just takes off, right? This is the image that Paul is using here. And it's interesting, in both Greek and Hebrew, the word for spirit is the same as the word for breath and wind. Paul is urging us to allow the spirit to fan those sparks into something that will last. And we give those little faith fires in our life a little extra oxygen when we step out in faith and take a risk for the gospel. We give it oxygen whenever we make those hard decisions to choose the narrow way and be obedient to God's word, even when it costs us. Whenever we practice generosity and learn to trust God more deeply for the provision in our lives, whenever we choose to respond with love and forgiveness to those who have hurt us, when we live in regular rhythms of prayer and worship and study and Sabbath, we fan those flames, we take that spark and make something of it, we extend the legacy to those around us. And when we take that spark of faith and the spirit breathes into it, we're following what Paul has asked, we're fanning into flame the gift of God. But what's the best kind of legacy we can leave? What's the best kind? There's different ways to do it, but what's the best kind? And Paul's clear, it's about the building up of others. It's about the faith of others. Sometimes we think about legacy as, and what we're going to leave behind, and we think about money or property or reputation or influence or power but so often a legacy is built by those small daily things we do for others. Those little choices we make to consider others ahead of ourselves. And it starts by making sure we are stewarding the legacy of faith in our own hearts. First, the one that we've received. If you have faith in Christ, it came from somewhere. How are you tending to that fire in your own heart? We use this quote a lot around here from Dallas Willard. He says, the main thing that God gets out of your life is not the achievements you accomplish, it's the person you become. The person you're becoming is the legacy that you're building. The person that you're becoming is the legacy that you're building. It's the thing you'll be remembered for that you will have to offer others. What we do for ourselves usually dies with us. What we do for others will outlast us? Do you want to be remembered for stuff or stories? I'm very grateful to be part of the legacy of a man named Jim Stump. Jim devoted his life to walking alongside Stanford athletes. 
And he shared the gospel of Jesus with them and discipled them, meeting with them one-on-one, one at a time. He wasn't flashy. He didn't pastor a church. He wasn't a well-known speaker. He was just a regular guy who was always available. He would camp out at the sports cafe where he would meet with athletes from various sports one-on-one for 40 hours a week. Amazing. Now, there are no buildings at Stanford with his name on them, but there are hundreds and hundreds of former athletes who have received the gift of God through his faithful ministry, including me. So, Here's the question. Who can you invest in? Who can you pour into? Some of you, especially if you're in the more mature category, just saying, have a critically important role to play. And that is to pass on your wisdom and your experience and your presence. You have been through some things and seen some things, amen? And you've kept the faith And this is so valuable to all of us because we will all pass through hard things. If you haven't yet, it is coming. My friend Kevin is a financial advisor. And he has a client named Jane, a sweet older lady who was a teacher before she retired. And as you can imagine, she didn't have a lot of extra money to set aside during her working years to pour into her retirement. So the money she does have in her little retirement account is very precious to her. But you can't control the markets. And whenever the market goes down, Kevin says, I know immediately the first email that will pop into my inbox. It will be an email from Jane. And it will have a simple subject header that says, am I going to be okay? This is the gift that mature believers can bring. After years of walking with Jesus, they can hold our hands and say with utter confidence, it's going to be okay. Don't give up. God is good. He is faithful. Just keep trusting and leaning into his power. Follow his teaching. It will be hard, but you're not alone. Keep going. We'll do this together. That's a gift that you can give. Our lasting legacy is people. Who are you pouring into? Maybe start with your family or your spouse or your children if you have them. But don't stop there. We need to model a faith that extends to those outside of our family and outside of the church. Think about your neighbors, your coworkers, people you volunteer with at your kids' schools, people at the gym, the family that just moved into your neighborhood. Ask God to lead you to people who need your help or encouragement. If you want to leave a legacy... Pour into the people that God puts in your life. Now, one really important point to make here is that our legacy is not built on our own strength, but the power of God working through us. On our own, we will give in to fear or excuses or apathy or a million different distractions that come at us every day. And this is why Paul reminds Timothy very clearly, he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind, or some translations, self-discipline. Paul wanted to make sure that Timothy knew what was behind his legacy, the gift of faith and the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life that gave him power to love others beyond his ability. And as he prays and surrenders, 
It's the spirit that guides his thoughts and actions and fills his mind with a vision for the kingdom of God. Now, you don't need a seminary degree. You don't need a special authorization from the church. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. To leave a legacy, you only need the gift of God that resides in you, the power of the Spirit enabling you to love sacrificially. And this is really good news. And it's also good news that, like I said, we can't control the legacies we receive, but whatever legacy you've received, God can take that and do something with it and redeem it. God can transform any story into a powerful legacy. One of the legacies that was passed down to me was from my father's side of the family. Um, It was the history, sadly, of alcoholism. And I remember hearing the stories about my great-grandfather, usually in hushed tones because they were at best embarrassing and at worst involved abusive behavior. And I would wonder and worry, would that be my fate? Was I doomed to this legacy? Some of you may be thinking about a legacy in your life right now and wondering if it's possible to get past it. And the good news I have for you is that you're never doomed. Because of the cross, God can transform any bad legacy. And unfortunately, in my story, my father succumbed to the family curse as a young adult, and he developed an addiction to alcohol. He fought it for years unsuccessfully, but but finally, through a lot of pain and difficulty, he chose to surrender himself to the power of Jesus because only with Jesus could he turn things around. And at his lowest point, he found the pastor of our little church who helped him. And he surrendered everything to Jesus and he got sober and he did his steps. And along the way, he talked with me about breaking the family curse. Maybe he and I could turn this around and tell a new family story, a new story that overcame bondage and addiction, a story of God's provision and power, and so far, and so far, by God's grace, we've stopped the curse. We have a new family story to tell. Ultimately, ultimately, our legacy, yours and mine, is the story of God's work in our lives. God's the hero. He's the center of our hope. It's his power at work in our lives. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only legacy that will change lives for eternity. We've all received a legacy. We're all going to leave a legacy. And some of us have been given a powerful example of faith. Others have not. Some of us were raised in the church. Others are new to faith. Some of us have squandered this gift and now wonder if we still have anything left to give. Some of us feel inadequate or stuck or fearful or overwhelmed about the past and wonder if God can overcome it. And I want you to hear this from Paul, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Paul wants you to know this truth. It's bigger than your fear or self-doubt or history or failure. I've led a lot of memorials over the years, um, but one I'll never forget was for a woman named Suzanne. Suzanne had recently been married and was pregnant with her first child, and she and her husband Paul were so excited for the baby and this new stage of life. But tragically, Suzanne passed away as a result of complications during childbirth. Miraculously, the baby was fine, but Suzanne didn't make it. 
Now, Suzanne had a successful dental practice in Saratoga, and once a month, she would open up her doors and offer free dental work with anyone who needed it. It was her favorite day of the month. She would decorate her office and talk with people that came in as long as they wanted to talk. She had the most generous spirit and was always thinking about how she could love others. She and Paul had volunteered for hours and hours when we were launching the Mountain View campus. But I remember her memorial because we couldn't fit any more people in the room. There were people standing in the walkway outside the doors, people peering in the windows, and they all had a story about Suzanne, about how she'd helped them or listened to them or loved them. She showed them Jesus in her words and her actions. She left the kind of legacy that I could only hope to leave one day. Imagine what God could do in us and through our church family if we lived that kind of legacy. Imagine what people might say about this community of faith if we're all pouring into others and sharing the reason for our hope in real and tangible ways. One person at a time, one story at a time, one day at a time. And we've been doing that, friends, for 150 years here. And it's so encouraging to hear the stories of legacy from you all. And I've been blown away and blessed by the stories that we're sharing on our podcast. Don't miss the podcast. You will be blessed, I promise you. And then next Sunday, next Sunday, I hope you can join us there in Woodside High School or online. But we're going to have a time to reflect on all that God has done through our church. And I know it will be humbling and it will be wonderful, and I can't wait to see you there. Guys, we've all received a legacy, and we will all leave a legacy. And when we get to the end of your life, you want to know that you left the right kind of mark, that you poured yourself into the things that matter, that you fanned the flame of the gift of God in you. The days go fast but you can start right now. Let's be those people. Let's be that church, amen? Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for the people that have influenced me, that have showed me faith. I think of my mom and my dad. I think of Paul and Sheila. I think of Jim and Brooke. I think of so many people, God, who took the time to not just show me faith, but to live it out. And God, I ask that you would help me to steward that, help us all to steward that gift and, and fan it into flame and, and make it something bigger and um, God, point us to the people that we need to pour into. Pour us to the people. Lead us to those folks that need uh, an encouragement, that need hope today, that we might live a legacy worthy of your gospel, worthy of your hope. And we pray that we do that for the next 150 years or more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.